0: Lord tonight church how many of you want to see him high and lifted up amen and not just here in this place but just high and lifted up all across the land amen how many of you know we need that kind of revival where the Lord is just high and lifted up I pray that he is in your life tonight that he is exalted that that place of honor so that anytime anybody look at you and look at me they might see Jesus Christ amen Amen. Tonight, the title of my message is Center Stage, uh, Where the Cross Belongs. How many of you know that's exactly where the cross belongs, It's center stage in our life? It's what we're going to look at before we go any further. Just go to the Lord in prayer one more time and ask Him to be that high and lifted up. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your presence in this place this evening. I'm thankful, Father God, that uh, you are in this place, that you came here before any of us even came here. I thank you, Father God, that you have a desire to bless us this evening, a desire to uh, meet every need that we have according to your riches and glory. And I thank you, Father God, that when you are high and lifted up, you draw all men unto yourself. And that's what I pray that we would be drawn unto you this evening, Father God. I pray for the anointing of your word to rest upon me. And I rest upon my mind, Father God, my spirit, my body. I pray, God, that you would quicken me, Lord God, that I might be able to bring forth your words and your revelation and your truths. I pray, Father God, that you would be seen and you would be heard. And, Father God, that I wouldn't get in the way. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would come against every hindering spirit, every obstacle, every situation of this day and of this week, Lord God, that might have disturbed our spirits. I pray that you would give your people ears to hear and hearts to listen. Father God, open up the eyes of our hearts, just like we sang, so that we might get a a greater glimpse of who you are and what you desire for us to be. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is uh, part three of our series on a journey to the cross. Like I told you before, I'm not exactly sure where our journey is going to take us. But I am certain of one thing every single time we're going to get a, another glimpse of the cross of Jesus Christ, what its power is all about, what its promises are all about, what its provisions are all about. But tonight, I want to look at uh, the title, like I said, Center Stage, Where the Cross Belongs. In part one, I'm not going to rehash it all, but in part one, I talked to you a little bit about the cross of Christ being at the center of everything that we do being at the center of our marriage and being the center of our family being at the center of our uh, friendships, being at the center of our businesses, being at the center of every area of our life. And, uh, especially, uh, being this at the center of our Christian faith, being at the center of our praise and our prayer and our worship and all of those things. But tonight I want to detail that in particular tonight. I want to show you that the cross has always been at the center of God's will. It's been there from the beginning of time, and it should still be at the center of our lives today. There's a whole lot of scripture that I could bring you because I want you to know that all of scripture points to the cross. I don't have the time to go into all of it, but I want to highlight just a few areas to let you know that the cross of Christ has always been at the center of God's will. It has always been at the center of his word, and that's what I want to look at this evening. The problem is, or the problem that I see with Christianity Today is the fact that the cross no longer takes center stage in our lives. Uh, The cross no longer takes center stage in many of our churches. And I know I've hinted at that. But I want to look at that as well in detail this evening. I believe with all of my heart that the cross of Jesus Christ has been relegated to a sideshow. It's been relegated to a nothing more, in my opinion, than a, a, a side attraction or a sideshow in our lives and even in our church, rather than the main attraction, rather than the main message of the church, rather than the, the main draw of our Christian faith. I think it's been removed or moved or it's been covered up with It's been decorated in so many ways that we can't even find the cross of Jesus Christ in the house of God anymore. But I believe with all of my heart, it's time for the cross of Jesus Christ to become center stage once again in all of the doctrine and all of the preaching and all of the houses of God, because the cross of Jesus Christ is the only way to life. So it needs to be at center stage. The reality is it used to be that you could walk into any church and you would hear all about for God demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were sinners, I use the word sinners that used to be used a lot in the house of God but that's what it used to be used to be able to walk into any church and hear for God demonstrated his love towards us and while we're yet sinners he died for us it used to be the main message and the main attraction used to be for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son on a cross so that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life instead life through the cross of Jesus Christ it used to be all about the way Ages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, again, through the cross of Jesus Christ. But that cross, in my opinion, has been moved. Uh, the, The message of the cross, in my opinion, has been moved. It's been decorated. It's been covered over. It's been either completely moved or removed. And we no longer have the power of that message being released, in my opinion, like it should in every church across America. I believe that most of the problem that I'm talking about is an American thing, not just an international thing, but mainly in America. The cross of Jesus Christ used to be the main attraction. It used to be the main message of the cross. It used to be what drew people into a relationship with God. But unfortunately... The very element and the very symbol that should be the main attraction to our faith, should be the main attraction to this world, should be the main message of the church has been overshadowed, in my opinion, by the prosperity movement. It's been overshadowed and and overtaken by these uh, things concerning material gain. I believe it's been overshadowed by deceptive doctrines that fill the land or influenced uh, by a corrupt society. And I believe with all of my heart that that corruption that's all about me, myself, listen, our society is corrupted by this, this mentality of me, myself, and I. And I believe that same corruption has made its way into the house of God. I believe that corruption has even made its way into behind some of the pulpits where it's all about me, myself, and I. And in the midst of it all, we can't find Jesus Christ. We can't find that great sacrifice. We can't find the, the power of that blood. We can't find the crown. And we can't find the crucified Christ. And because we can't find the cross, guess what? We can't find the Redeemer. Because we can't find the cross. We can't find the propitiation for our sins because we cannot find the cross of Christ. You see, the reality is, I know we haven't forgotten all about the cross. I know it still lingers in the shadow of our faith. I know it still lingers in the shadow of our mind. I know that at most of the churches, once a month, we break out communion and we remember the cross. I know on Good Friday we remember the cross. I know on Easter we remember the cross. But as a whole, in my opinion, my belief is, as a whole, we have forgotten about the cross of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, it is no longer echoed from the pulpits across America And we need to put it back where it belongs, church. We've got to overcome some of the deceptive doctrines and those things that I talked about so the cross of Christ can be seen in our lives. The truth is there's far too many individuals, even in the house of God, that think that they can follow Christ without a cross. They think that we can follow without surrender and without sacrifice. We think we can walk in newness of life, church, without being crucified with Christ. We think we can experience newness of life without being buried with Christ. So that we can be raised up in newness of life through the work of Christ upon the cross. Listen, without the cross, there is no newness of life. Without the cross, there is no hope for salvation. Without the cross, old things cannot pass away and nothing can become new. Why do you think lives aren't changing? Because we're not preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. Why do you think addicts are still addicts? Because we're not preaching the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross. Because the flesh has no place to die, even in the house of God. It's a pity and it's a shame. Altars are shut down anymore. Listen to me, church. We must have a place in our Christian life where the the flesh can die. So that we can rise up in newness of life. When a sinner walks into the house of God, he needs a place to die. And it isn't the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, the flesh is so predominant and preeminent in the house of God because we have taken down the cross. And we need to put it back at center stage exactly where it belongs. Amen. We think we can save the world without Golgotha's hill. We think we can save the world without Jesus shedding His blood. We think we can save the world, church, without having to go to the cross of Jesus Christ. We think we can preach the gospel without including the cross of Christ. And when we do, it's powerless. When we do, it's useless. When we do, it has no life, church. We cannot change ourselves and we cannot change this world without the message of the cross attached to it. This is exactly why it has to be centered Stage in our life, the cross of Christ must be central to our faith at every level. It's why all throughout the Word of God you'll find the cross, even in the Old Testament. If you study the Torah in detail, you'll find out that all of it includes the cross. If you take the time to study it, if you take the time to read it, you'll find it, church. When we read the Word of God, we have to understand that everything about it points to the cross. Because it's always been at the center of God's will. It's always been at the center of God's plan all the way from the beginning of time. And that's what I want to do. I want to give you a few examples how uh, we can always find the cross of Christ throughout Scripture. Remember, and I've already preached this part to you, but when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden... When they sinned, God made a sacrifice. God shed blood to cover their sins and to keep them from His wrath, church. So what I want you to understand is that in the very beginning, God already pointed to the blood. God already pointed to the cross of Jesus Christ even in the Garden of Eden. And and I'll show you how that comes to be. What I want you to understand is what took place in the Garden In the garden, He was already showing us a shadow of a Savior. He was already showing us a shadow of the Lamb that would be slain. Church, He was already showing us a shadow of the precious Lamb of God that would take away the sins of man. He was already showing us His divine design, which always included the cross. And I'll show you what I mean by that. In Numbers chapter 2, as I go, you'll you'll understand this. But in Numbers chapter 2, in a book most people would consider boring, including myself, Numbers, a book that most people would consider mundane, Numbers chapter 2, a book that most people would overlook and most probably do overlook in their daily reading. Well, I think I'll go read Numbers today. I get a great revelation and a word of encouragement out I, that most people don't do that. Numbers is one of those books that, well, you read it and you think, what in the world did that just say? But I want you to understand, even in the book of Numbers chapter 2, in what would be considered the most boring and mundane book of the Bible, you can find the cross of Jesus Christ. You'll discover in that chapter that when the children of Israel came out of bondage and they set camp, set up camp in the wilderness, God gave them specific instructions how to set up that camp, and it was to be set up in the form of a cross. And I think I have a slide that shows that. I know you can't read the detail, but I want you to understand, church, that the camp was set up in the form of a cross. Ephraim was to be to the west. Judah was to be to the east. Reuben was to be to the south, and Dan was to be to the north, creating the form of a cross. And in the middle of it all were the Levites, the tribe of Levi, and that consisted of the priests. I want you to see from the very beginning of time, God's design shows up everywhere, even when he even when up up His people and He puts them in a camp in the middle of Numbers chapter 2, the last place you would ever expect to find the cross, there is the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a shadow of things to come. There is the hope of our salvation. There is the hope of a Messiah. There lies our way to the Father in the midst of the wilderness. We can find the cross of Jesus Christ. And the reality is, listen, even in the center of all of that, if you know anything about this, in the very center where the Levites were, were, they were the priests. Who is Jesus Christ? He's our high priest. So not only do you have the cross in the wilderness, He's showing us right here that our high priest should be in the middle of our lives. And in the Levi camp, there was also the tabernacle. The tabernacle was to be built in that area of the camp where the Levites would work, where the priests would work. And what I want you to see there too is that even the tabernacle was lined up. And laid out like a cross. I have a... This is the camp again. But in the middle of the camp, it just shows where the tabernacle was. And if you go to the next slide real quick, you'll see. I know you can't all read this. But I want you to see that even the tabernacle was lined up like the cross. You've got the brazen altar at the bottom. The laver. The table of incense. The Ark of the Covenant at the top. The candlestick to one side. And the showbread in the other. Because everything... About the past, everything in the Old Testament, I'll read you a scripture to show you that, was a shadow of things to come. It was a reminder of things that had already been designed and established in heaven. And God, all the way in the Old Testament, any chapter you want to read, I'll promise you, you can find the cross of Christ if you look for it. How many of you know that God said, if you seek me, you'll find me? If you're looking for the cross, you'll find the cross. If you're looking for the Savior, you'll find the Savior. If you're looking for the Redeemer, you'll find the Redeemer. If you look for it, you'll find it. The same way goes with the Word of God. If you want to find God in the Word of God, read it. You'll find Him, church. But but my point is, when you look at this, I want you to understand that 1,500 years before the Messiah was ever born, God was showing us the cross. 1,500 years before the Messiah ever came on the scene, God was showing us the cross. He was revealing to us His plan, His design, His purpose. He was showing us shadows of heaven, church. Everything from the very beginning of time pointed to the cross. Everything in the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come. And at the very center of it all was the cross of Jesus Christ. If you look at this, you'll see that at the center of the camp was the very dwelling place of God, which was foreshadowing the cross. I'm not going to teach you all about the camp. I'm not going to teach you all about the tabernacle tonight. I just wanted you to see that you can go as far back in Scripture as you want, and you'll still find the cross of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 2.17, it says this. They serve at a sanctuary. That is a copy and a shadow of things in heaven and of things that are still to come. I'll say it again. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow or a type and a shadow. Some interpretation say of what is in heaven and what is to come. You look at it this way. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow or a type and a shadow of what has already been designed and established by God in heaven. And it goes on and says, this is why, this is the word of God, not me saying this. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Everything that you build, Moses, everything that you do, everything that relates to the temple, everything that re- relates to, to all of these things, make sure that everything is done according to the pattern shown you On the mountain. And whether Moses knew this or not, which I believe he did, whether Moses understood this or not, which I believe he did, while he was on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights, y'all know he went up, he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, he saw or he was shown the shadow of the cross. While Moses was on the mountaintop with God, he was shown a shadow of things to come. He was shown a shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ. He was shown a shadow of Jesus Christ himself, I believe. He was shown all of the things that had already been designed and established in the heavens, and that was the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's exactly why the camp and the tabernacle were a reflection of the cross. Because he was shown a pattern that had already been designed and established in heaven. It wasn't something he made up. It wasn't something willy-nilly he decided, well, I think it would be a good way to line them up this way. I want you to understand that the cross of Jesus Christ was designed before time began. The cross of Jesus Christ, Moses got a glimpse of when he was on the mountaintop for 40 days with God. And God said to Moses, I want you to make the tabernacle like what I've already designed in heaven. Like what I've already drawn out. Like what I've already established and designed in my own mind. I want it to reflect what I've already created. It wasn't some willy-nilly. I want you to understand that the cross of Jesus Christ has been on the mind of God for as long as we know. It's part of God's plan, part of God's purpose, church. It's exactly why the camp and the tabernacle were a reflection, because they were a type and shadow of things to come, because they were made according to the pattern God showed Moses while he was on the mountain, because they were made according to the pattern of those things that already existed in heaven. Listen, I say all that to say this, if you want to know God's pattern for your life, if you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know his plan and you want to know his purpose, if you want the shadows of heaven to become made manifest in your life, if you want the shadows of heaven to be made real in your life, get on the mountain of God. If you want those things that are simply shadows to be made manifest in your life, you need to get on the mountaintop of God. You need to spend some time in the presence of God. You need to spend some time in the Word of God. You need to spend some time praying to God so that those things that have been designed by God concerning your life can be made manifest in your life. You see, the problem with the house of God today is we grumble and complain that the things of God aren't being made manifest in my life. They're not materializing in my life when we haven't spent a moment on the mountaintop with God. When we haven't gotten alone with God. We haven't opened up the Word of God. We haven't discussed our situation with God. We decide to grumble with God instead. God, when is all of those things going to be made manifest in my life? When you, like Moses, climb a mountain. When you, like Moses, spend some time in the presence of God. When you, like Moses, allow his design to be imparted into your life and not your design. You see, most of us would rather want, this is my design, God, make it happen. This is my will, God. Make it happen. This is what I want, God. Make it happen. No! God said to Moses, I want you to do exactly what I design and exactly what I say. And when you do that, Moses, my glory will come down. When you do that, Moses, I will be with you. When you do that, Moses, I'll walk before you. When you do that, Moses, I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you do that, Moses, I'll part a Red Sea. When you do that, Moses, I'll I'll get rid of the giants. When you do that, Moses, I will make manifest in your life the things I've already spoken to existence. You understand what I'm saying, church? We've got to find a place with God in order to make those things happen. And my last point with that particular area is that if we don't have the cross of Jesus Christ at the center of our camp, if we don't have the cross of Jesus Christ intertwined into God's divine design for our life, if we leave it out, if we move it, if we cover it up, if we decorate it, church, we lose its power in our lives. And we can't experience supernatural power. We'd be struggling all on our own to make God's plan happen. Listen to me. There's only one person that can make God's plan happen in your life. It's God. God. And it happens through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want that power released, find the cross. Find the cross. Bring it into center stage in your life so that the the things that God has already spoken and designed can be made manifest in your life, church. Please understand the cross was at the center of God's will from the beginning of time and even before time. I know that's hard for some of us to understand, but listen, the cross was conceived by the mind of God in heaven. In heaven there is no time. We've got calendars, we've got watches, we've got date timers, but please understand, uh, a day to us is like a thousand years to God. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? There's no time in heaven. It's eternity. Eternity's been eternity forever and ever and ever. And what we need to understand, church, is that the cross was conceived by the mind of God in heaven, not by the mind of God on earth. You and I need to understand that the cross of Jesus Christ was formed and carved out at the foundation of the earth, not by the hands of man. The cross of Jesus Christ well, it was not man's idea. It was God's idea. It wasn't a bunch of Roman soldiers that said, Hey, let us find a way that we can really uh, do damage to Jesus or do damage to these criminals. Look, God designed the cross. And somewhere along the way, he plopped that idea into the minds of some wicked Roman soldiers who one day hung Jesus on that cross. But please understand me, it wasn't their wisdom. It was the divine design of God that the precious Lamb of God would hang upon an old rugged
1: cross
0: so that you and I might experience newness of life, church. This is why it needs to be at the center of our faith, church. Listen, even the sacrificial system in the law of Moses was a type and a shadow of things to come. A type of sacrifice. A type of Christ. A type of blood. It just wasn't powerful enough to wash away sins like we've already learned. It was only good enough to cover sins. We've already learned that. But it's why, listen, God knew, I hope you grasp this, God knew from the beginning of the beginning of the beginning that I need my Son, Jesus Christ, to hang on a cross. So all of these other things that He implemented would give them an idea and an understanding when the sacrificial lamb finally showed up, when the one all-sufficient sacrifice came onto the scene, the children of God would say, I get it! I understand it! Because He showed it to them all along, church we just got to be open to it. We've got to see it. We've got to allow it to take place and allow it room in our lives, church. In the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the very last book of the Bible, it points back to the very beginning and it reminds us that Jesus was the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. The Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Listen, I know that this might be hard for all of us to grasp, but it's how God's work, it's how God works and it's all mixed up in this thing called eternity. But Jesus was slain before he was even born. I hope you understand that that Jesus was slain before he was even born. He's the first and the last, he's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the one that was and is and is still to come. Well, how can he be all those things? Because he's God. Because he's the son of God. I want you to understand that he was slain before he was born because he was slain from the foundation of the earth. God knew before man even came on the scene that they would need a redeemer. God knew before we ever came on the scene that they would need a precious lamb that would take away the sins of the world. We need to understand that he was slain before he was born. Jesus was destined for the cross. From the beginning of time, church, and all of Scripture leads us there. If you've read Scripture, you know that. It's why Jesus himself said, If you want to follow me, you must take up your cross, because the cross is where I'm going. If you want to follow me, you must take up the cross because it's where I'm headed. And and in the same breath, listen, because he is the one who was and is still to come, he was really saying as well, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross because it's where I've already been. Please grasp the awesomeness of the work of Jesus on the cross. It was done before you were ever born. It was done before Adam and Eve was ever born. God provided a way before man ever breathed one single breath. That's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. It was designed in the mind of God before He ever into the pile of dust that brought forth Adam. He knew it. God's not, and none of this took him by surprise. It was part of his divine design, church. And we've got to learn how to grasp that. It was part of the pattern of heaven. It's Part of the pattern of heaven. Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross because it's what my Father designed in heaven. That's the way you come to me. That's the way you get to the Father. You get there by going through the cross. Listen. Jesus himself, the son of God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, you'd say whatever you want, you'd fill his name in there, but the son of God stepped down out of heaven for one reason, and one reason only, and that was to go to the cross of Jesus Christ. He stepped out of heaven for one reason, and that was to go to the cross for you. It was to go to the cross for me. It was to go to the cross so that the world through Him might be saved, church, because there's no way to Him except through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no way a man can be saved except through the cross of Jesus Christ. Please understand that Jesus the prince of peace the son of God stepped down off of his throne in order to be wounded for our transgressions in order to be bruised for our iniquities. Yes he healed people. Yes he did miracles. Yes he set captives free. Yes he drove out demons. Yes he did miraculous works all across the land. But Jesus stepped down off of his throne not to make a blind man see, not to heal a leopard, not to set not to do all of those other things. He stepped down out of His throne room in heaven to save a lost soul. To die on a cross so that the world through Him might be saved, church. We cannot lose sight of that. It's why the cross must be on center stage because it's where it belongs. But somewhere the church moved that message. Somewhere, and I, when I say the church, I mean the church as a whole. I don't mean South Metro. I know our pastor preaches the gospel. I know our pastor preaches the, the, the cross. But I'm saying we're all part of the big picture. And somewhere in that big picture, the church moved the message of the cross. Somewhere in that big picture, we lost sight of the cross and the blood, and we lost its power in the process. I believe with all of my heart, look, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but there's too many churches that are handing out cotton candy instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ, instead of the cross of Jesus Christ. They're handing out fluff, church, instead of something that can save the soul. I don't care if you go out feeling good. I care if you go out saved. I don't care if you go out with a smile on your face. I care if you go out free from sin. That's what I care about. And when you understand the power of the cross, woo! You're gonna smile. You're gonna dance. You're gonna get excited. But listen, until someone tells you the truth, you've got no reason to dance. You've got no reason to jump. You've got no reason to shout. Because all of that other stuff will one day fade away. All of that material junk will one day turn to rust. All of those falsehoods and all of those lies will one day be proven a lie. But I want you to know one thing. The cross of Jesus Christ will never, ever fail. The blood of Jesus Christ will never, ever lose its power. I want you to know the blood of Jesus Christ has power in a recession. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus Christ has power when the stock market's up and when the stock market's down. The blood of Jesus Christ has power when we got a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not because of man. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ on an old, rugged cross. Amen. That's how we find life. man. Somewhere. We have lost sight, church, and we've got to get the cross back where it belongs. We cannot forget that the cross was central to Christ's mission because it was central to God's will. The cross was central to God's will. And it should be, it should be central to our lives as well. It should be central to our faith. It should be central to the the message. It should be central to the pulpit. It should be central to the church. It should be central to our testimony. Please understand, if your testimony doesn't include the cross, you're just telling fairy tales. Please understand, and I know I've taught some of that stuff, but I've got to do it as a reminder. We've got to keep the cross of Jesus Christ at the center of everything we do because it's where it belongs. Remember, as Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed, he called out to the Father and he said, If there is any way that this cup can pass from me, let it be. If it be at all possible for this cup to pass me by, Jesus said, let it be so. How many of you know that His cup was the cross? How many of you know His cup was the pain and the suffering? His cup was the anguish. His cup was the cruelty that would be uh, lavished upon Him. I want you to know that His cross was bitter. His cross was the shame and the guilt and the agony that was associated with crucifixion his 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 cup church was the cross his cup was something that we have all been asked to drink of when Jesus said if you want to follow me you must deny yourself and take up the cross we've got to be willing to drink that same bitter cup that Jesus drank We've got to be willing to taste of the cross of Jesus Christ because unless we drink that which is bitter, we shall not experience that which is sweet. If you have no idea of what bitterness is, if all you do go through life sweet, 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 you don't value the sweetness. But you need to understand, church, he for the hope. Set before Him, He who for the sweetness of being reunited with His Father, set before Him, endured the cross, He endured the bitterness, He endured the shame, He endured the pain, He endured the suffering so He could taste the sweetness of sitting beside His Father. Please understand me, church. If you want to taste of God and see that He is good, you must learn to taste of the cross of Jesus Christ. You must learn to taste of that bitterness. Oh, but we don't want that. I've already taught it. Tell me sweet things is what they said. I told you last week. Tell me nice things. Tell me lies if you have to. And this is where we are today, church. We are so inundated with sugar and sweet and this and that that we no longer know what the blood of Jesus tastes like. We no longer know what the bitterness of, of the cross tastes like. And it's why we don't value its sweetness. God, forgive us for that, church. Let us learn to drink from that bitter cup once again. Please understand every trial that you go through. It's part of that bitter cup. Every, every obstacle, every hurdle, every sickness, every giant, everything that comes your way is, is the bitter cup that we've all been asked to drink from. And listen, when you learn to drink that cup, when you learn to not grumble and complain about it, when you learn to not blame God for the situation that you're in, and you drink the cup, even though you know it's going to be painful, even though you know it's going to hurt, Jesus said the same thing. God, if there's any way this cup of bitterness can pass me by, Jesus Himself said it. There's nothing wrong with us saying, God, if there's any way that this bitter cup can pass me by, But that's not the important part. The important part is what Jesus said next. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. If it be pleasing to the Father, I'll drink of this cup. If it's part of my Father's will, I'll drink this cup. If it's part of your divine design, God, I'll drink from this cup. If it's part of your heavenly purpose for my life, I'll drink from this cup. If I have to drink from this cup in order to make heaven manifest in my life, I'll drink from this cup. Amen. Not my will, but thy will be done. You will never go to the cross unless you surrender your will. You will never go to the cross. You will never experience His power. You will never experience fellowship with God unless you are willing to surrender your will and let the will of God be done. I say all that, church, because Jesus said, Listen, understand, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Please understand the will of the Father was for Jesus to go to the cross. It it may be hard for some of us to fathom that. God, why would you send your son to... Why would you do that? But it was part of God's will. It was part of His divine design. And when we allow it to, to, to be true in our lives, it's when the things of heaven begin to become manifest in our lives. We can taste of them. We can feel them. We can smell them. We can experience them in our lives, church. The the cross was always part of the Father's will. And it wasn't just part of His will for Jesus' life. The cross is part of God's will for our life as well. well. Listen to me. I'm probably going to skip along on some of this stuff, but I want you to understand. Let, let me let me go here first before I go where I want to. There's there's another example in Scripture, as per, Jesus was praying in the garden. Then I'm going to go where I want to and close. But remember, as Jesus was praying in the garden, he said, "Let this cup pass from me," and that was his cup, and it, and it passed from. Not my will, but Thy will be done, and. And we learn from this that it was the Father's will for Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 39, If you want to save your life, you must be willing to lose it for my sake. So we ask ourselves, where do we lose our life for Christ's sake? There's only one place that you can lose your life for Christ's sake, and it's at the cross of Jesus Christ. There's only one place that you and I can lose our life for Christ's sake. And then that's at the grave of Jesus Christ. That's where we lose our life for Christ's sake. At the cross of Jesus Christ. So that we might be raised up in newness of life. And what I want to go to next. I want to. When. Jesus. Began to tell his disciples. About the. Cross. That he would have to go to when Jesus began to explain his father's will, how Jesus would have to endure suffering and how Jesus would have to endure pain, how Jesus would have to go through something terrible in his life. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16, verse 22 and 23, that Peter, impetuous Peter, you know him and you know the story I'm about to tell, but impetuous Peter, as Jesus begins to explain God's divine design, which includes the cross, and how he would have to go there, Peter rises up and says, No, Lord, that won't happen. No, Lord, I won't let that happen. And immediately, listen to me, immediately, Jesus turned. Didn't hesitate. Didn't think. Immediately, he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. He had just called Remember, Peter was Simon. And on the road that they were walking, Jesus asked the question, Who do men say that I am? And some said, Well, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're other. But who do you say that I am? And Peter, impetuous old Peter, out of nowhere says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art Peter. No longer Simon Peter. The same individual that Jesus just called Peter. Just told him, upon that faith, I'm going to build my church. That same Peter, he now calls Satan. Get behind me, Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And what we have to learn from this church is that the mind of God always included the cross. The mind of God always included the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The mind of God always included the Lamb of God, which had to be slain so that the world through him might be saved. Here's what I want you to see as I begin to close. Jesus rebuked Peter for one reason, and one reason only, and it's because he tried to move the cross. He tried to move the cross. He tried to move God's will, he tried, to, he tried to find some other way to restore us to the Father. I, I hope you're grasping this, church, and because so often we do the same thing. Peter was rebuked for one reason. Because he tried to move the cross. And so often when it comes to the cross, we try to do the same thing. We, we get to this place where, oh God, it's too heavy. Oh, God, it's too hard. God, it's too difficult. God, it's too sacrificial. God, it's too inconvenient. God, it's too restricting upon my life. God, it's too lonely. God, it's too rough. God, it's too painful. When we look at the cross, we begin to, we want to move it because it's all of these things. We try to move it instead of carrying it, church. We try to cover it. Or we try to decorate it. Or we try to, sometimes, sadly, we even try to remove it altogether instead of carrying it, church. You see, like Peter, we can't try to move the cross of Jesus Christ because it's been on the mind of God from the beginning of time. When you remove the cross, like I said before, you displease God. When you try to remove the cross, listen to me, you are stepping into the shoes of Satan. He didn't say, Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, because Satan was the one trying to keep Jesus from doing the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is for you and me to bear up a cross and carry it. That's the will of the Father. Listen, as I close, Jesus didn't need a cross. Peter did. Jesus didn't need a cross. You did. Jesus didn't need a cross. I did. Jesus didn't need a cross. The world needed a cross so that the world through Him might be saved, church. Listen, just like Jesus couldn't avoid the cross, nor can we. Just like the cross was central to Jesus' life, it's got to be central to our life as well. Just like Jesus expected Peter to put the cross at center stage in his faith, he expects the same exact thing from you and me. Listen, the reality is unless we have the cross of Christ in our lives, I don't want to be mean, I don't want to be unkind, but unless we have the cross of Jesus Christ in our life we are useless to the kingdom of God. Unless the world sees the cross they cannot be saved. And unless the world can see the cross in you, you're useless to the Father. Unless the world sees the cross in me, I'm useless. To the Father, it's why the cross must be at center stage in my life. So that when someone looks at my life, they don't see me. They see the cross of Jesus Christ. So that when they look at me, they don't see me and my mess. They see the blood of Jesus Christ. When they look at me, they don't see my talents and my abilities and my strengths. They see the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. It's why it must be central to our life, church. It must be central to yours as well because it's the only way this world might be saved. How many of you are here tonight and you say, God, I'm ready to put the cross at the very center of my life because when I have someone look at me, I want them to see the cross. Because when someone comes into my life, I want them to be able to find their way to the Father. And it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're saying, God, I want the cross at center stage in my life. I want you to stand to your feet as we pray. You are making yourself a sacrifice, church. I'm getting everything else out of the way. So that the only thing that can be seen is the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't want to take a whole lot more time, but I want you to understand in the Old Testament too, God made it very clear that when an altar was built, nothing man-made could be around that altar. Nothing fashioned or formed by the hands of man. None of man's art. None of man's configurations. No tree could be planted by the hand of man around an altar. It had to be created by God. Natural stone in its natural form. There could be nothing to detract from the altar. Nothing to get the eyes off of the altar in that place of sacrifice where we could be reunited with God. And the same thing goes in our life as well. Nothing should ever overshadow the cross in your life. No work of man should ever overshadow the work of Jesus Christ that was accomplished on the cross. You and I are nothing without the cross. And the way we prove that and demonstrate our appreciation to God for the cross of Christ is to keep it first, foremost, and center in our life. That's what we're asking God. God, if I've got anything in the way of the cross, me, myself, I, anything, that stands in the way of the cross, I'm crucifying it tonight to the cross. So the only thing left to see is you. Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, for the cross of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father God, that it wasn't just some haphazard thought that you had one day and how to reunite reunite us to you But I thank you, Father God, that the cross of Jesus Christ was designed and established before time ever began, that it was on your mind, Father God, before any single one of us ever breathed a single breath, Lord, before Jesus was even born of a virgin, Father, in a manger. I thank you, Father God, that when you sent Jesus Christ, you sent him to die on a cross so that the world through him might be saved. And I'm part of that equation, God. I needed the blood of Jesus Christ. I needed His sacrifice. I needed a Savior. I needed a Redeemer. I needed the precious Lamb of God that was able to take away the sins of the world and my sins included. So I thank You for the work of the cross. I thank You for the power of the cross. I thank You for the blood that was shed on the cross because it's that blood that can take sins that are like scarlet and make them white as snow. God, if there's anything that stands in the way of the cross, God, if we have removed it, if we have moved it, if we have set it aside, if we have tried to cover it up, if we have tried to decorate it, Father God, in any form or fashion, I pray that you would forgive us, Father God. I pray, Father, that the old rugged cross would be returned to the center of our faith. I pray, God, that each and every day, as the old song says, that we would cling to the old rugged cross, Father God, because it's there at the cross that we find sight. It's there at the cross that we find hope. It's there at the cross that we find forgiveness of our sins and salvation of our soul. God, help us to put the cross back where it belongs. Let it never be said of us, God that we move the cross. Let no one ever look at us and have to find, try to find the cross. Help us to move aside everything that's in the way so that the cross of Jesus Christ would be central to our faith, that it would be found exactly where it belongs. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor, Father, for you're worthy of it all. In the precious name of Jesus, who died upon the cross, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we bless the Lord church tonight for his word and for his cross? Amen. As always, if you have a special need, be happy to tarry with you and pray. Take it to the cross with you. Otherwise, be blessed and keep the cross where it belongs. Amen.